It's Wednesday, December 2nd, 2015, and you're listening to episode 385 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 47 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. This is Brodor. And this is Chris. All right, one quick announcement, and then we're going to get down to it. This is the last week that we are doing entries for the Battletech dice. So if you want to win a set of those really snazzy metal Battletech dice, then get your plot idea for either a Battletech game, like a role-playing game, MechWarrior, or a Battletech combat scenario, or even just a generic sci-fi plot. And starting next week, then... We are going to move this over to voting. Generic sci-fi plot. Little tiny robots pilot giant people into battle. <laughs> I love it. Bam! Where's my dice? <laughs> right there on right the table. Right hey, thanks. <laughs> but, hey, look, the people are going to vote, you know? I, I'm not going to control how this contest goes. Mm-hmm. It's just going to happen how it happens, and people will either trust in the system or they won't. <laughs> And that may or may not remind you of other. <laughs> We've never so, been accused of voting. So it won't be. Before. It won't be like our system when I know for a fact at the end of the day on the polling, the end of the polling day, they take that thing and they drive it directly to an incinerator. It <laughs> just gets dumped. No, nope. and I am told who is the president. <laughs> you will be pleased to know that Diebold is not involved <laughs> in the fear the boot voting process. <laughs> Treating this like a Chicago election. <laughs> yes vote early vote often so all right what we are going to talk about today however is chad you've been running a blades in the dark game yes which we've made some brief allusions to mm-hmm. in prior episodes so let's start with this blades in the dark not exactly a marquee title among no. playing games. in fact it's not even finished being written okay so w- can you explain in brief what is Blades in the Dark? It is when you take a dark blade. Mm-hmm. Done. Okay. No. Well, you did uh, say in so brief. I, Jan can cook. So, so can, can you. you. I love that show. I miss Jan can cook. Anyway, so there's this role-playing game called Blades in the Dark, right? Michael Matthews, uh, who we call Mihao, Mikkel. Meow, meow, yeah. Meow, meow. So meow, meow ran a game for several people. Actually, he was running this game. He asked me to get in on is Blades and Dark. I'd never heard of it. So I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Online game. And it's very different. So there's this guy whose name I should know because this is the topic for the day and I should like been prepared and stuff. But I don't know who wrote it. I don't know what his name is. John Harper. Oh, my God. I totally remembered it. <laughs> Holy crap. I'm excited. Now, here I was grabbing my phone. Going to look it up. Yeah, no, you. look it up. I might be wrong. All right, I think well, go, that's go on, go on. So anyway, I cannot believe I remembered his name. Well, let's see if you actually did, but continue. Yeah. So. so anyway, there's this guy who it may or may not be named John Harper. And uh, he wrote a game or he did a Kickstarter for a game called Blades in the Dark. It is John Harper. Uh, yes. Continue. There's a video game called Dishonored. I don't know if you guys have ever played it or not. I'm familiar with it. I've not played it. It's a stealth game and uh, a video game for PC. Mm -hmm. It is, uh, in a word, really terrible. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's a stealth game which has an awful stealth mechanic to it. Uh, The visual representation of people are like these very beefy people with no necks. It's very strange art style. It's not terrible. It's very odd. thing about it, the world building is excellent. 
It's it's a basic revenge plot. So there's okay. not much story there. But the world that is created. So out it's of like this. a golden toilet. Yeah. The setting's <laughs> wonderful, even if everything in there's. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. And so what John Harper did is he kind of took some aspects of this world, like some of the really cool aspects of the world, and then he took cool aspects of like Fawcett and Grey Mouser, and then there were some other... He lists, like, songs that kind of inspired him, and then other books that I actually haven't read, and I don't know what the names of. And, uh, like, the Thief series, some aspects of that, and he kind of combined them into this world of his Blaze in the Dark. And then he did a game around it. They ran a Kickstarter to fund it. Well, Meow Meow backed the Kickstarter, and he got the rules, and then he's playing. Well, what this John Harper guy is doing is he's releasing what he has of the rules to the Kickstarter backers. Every time there's an iterative update that's significant enough, he releases it, and then he runs this Google Plus group where he takes in feedback. Well, I don't understand this, or hey, you talked about this in this section, and I it's not really clear, and he's actively participating in it. In fact, I've even gotten on there, and I've asked him some questions, and he's gotten back to me about it. He's very active. And then he he's like, oh, you know what, you're right. That section didn't really make a whole lot of sense. It could be explained better. I'm going to incorporate the explanations I gave you into the next iteration of the rules. Very, very cool, interesting process. It is an apocalypse world hack. Uh, so it uses these clocks like uh, Monster Heart is apocalypse world and there's Dungeon World and all these sort of iterations of that. It's a very cool game. It's a game where you are sort of this uh, it's sort of like Gaslight Victorian London, but it's not. It's its own world, its own planet, where there's been an apocalypse, but the apocalypse didn't end the world. It just killed everybody, but there's these cities left, right? Like major, huge cities. But out in the world there are, it's monsters and crap. I mean, it's like, and not just, oh, well, there's a big dragon. No, it's like horrors, dead things that will drive you insane and consume your soul so you don't leave the city. It's really awful out there. But we kind of control the oceans. It's a lot of archipelagos and islands and stuff, so that's kind of okay. But basically, the the door between life and death has been shattered and it's open. And they have all kind of interesting aspects to it where, like, if you die, if your body is not completely incinerated down to nothingness, your ghost comes out of it. And your ghost does not want to be dead. They're, they're, the door between life and death is gone. So you don't go over to this other side. And you want to get into another body so you can kind of sort of live again. But when you do that, you annihilate the other person, but you're consuming the body from the inside. And it's horrible. So people like destroy bodies all the time. Like if I kill somebody in the street, a service comes, no questions asked, and annihilates the body for me because it cannot remain after three days. And there's, there's all these different aspects, like it's always night and different things like that. Well, anyway, you play a crew of thieves. So you play like sort of at the night going from rooftop to rooftop, breaking into houses, doing dark deeds, robbing people, that sort of thing. And there's all these factions. There's tons and tons and tons of factions. There's all these other gangs. There's all these other factions within the city. There's all these different components of government. There's all these different other governments that exist outside of the main city that have representatives. So there's all this espionage. There's manipulating people and that sort of thing. And so I've been running this game for a couple of months for my group now based on the rules that Michael has been giving me because he backed the Kickstarter and I didn't hear about it. As soon as this guy 
John Harper publishes the rules, I'm going to buy the legit book of it. Right. But he's feeding me the the sort of previews for it, and uh, the game is really good. Yeah, that is one of the interesting things that I can think of examples of this in older role playing games. So, I mean, it's it's not a brand new thing, but the popularity of it seems to have spiked fairly recently. Which is traditionally role playing games, they gave you a setting, mm-hmm. and they gave you a pretty broad series of possibilities. Yeah. And you kind of got to decide what you're going to be in this world and how you're going to fit into things. And they might give you like archetypes to draw from, or they might give you is sample plot hooks or something, or in riffs, they'll just give you a bunch of charts. But <laughs> so many charts. But you know, you, you still can generally be whatever it is you want to be. Right. And it, it's interesting that in a lot of newer games, especially mm-hmm. these kind of smaller independent games, that they start off by telling you this is who you are. Well, you're right, but the game isn't done being written yet. So now the only thing you can be is a thief. Later on, you could be like a group of assassins or something like that. Uh, We don't know what all the different things you can be yet is. Yeah. But what you do is the party makes a crew, right? And then there are characters within the crew that they make. They have character classes. They're called playbooks. And uh, you, you could be a hound, a slide, uh, a whisper, uh, the fighter, thief, mage. Or you can be Bill Bilicek and have everybody's playbook. Right. Exactly. <laughs> That's a sport joke that even I get. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah. Uh, but right now, the only kind of crew you can be or that they have rules for, I mean, you can make sure. up your own rules, is a group of thieves. Right, so that's and what we're, and we're I will for. find what I can to link mm-hmm. in the show notes. Oh, you were it, you do his Google Plus page? Yeah. It has all the information you could possibly... Oh, okay, and, yeah. and it is publicly open. Oh, it's all publicly oh, okay. open? You don't even then, join Yeah, it. so yeah. if you want to see more about this mm-hmm. game, then check the show notes, because I'll link what I can find about right. the game in there. If it's not published yet, then obviously it's going to be somewhat limited. Right. But I will link to what I can. So... What I want to talk about is not just, oh, hey, I'm running this game. It's really awesome. Let's spend the next hour me telling you gaming stories. Because I just bored Brodor to no, death. Over you did not, first of all, you did not, <laughs> you did not bore Brodor. And Brodor asked. Yes. I even said specifically, hey, before we get on the mics, how's the game going? I'd like right. to hear about it. But. And so I, I regaled him with the adventures of the group thus far because we've been playing for a couple months it's it's going very well it's very interesting mm-hmm. uh, and i do have to give props to dawn because the whole point of the game at least now in this form is that you play a crew right and, and sort of an italian job heist it's a heist game italian job sort of crew right where you got these different people who have these different specialties and you take down scores mechanically you take down these scores and do this different stuff Oh, that's and, what you got. I thought you were talking about payday. Because oh, no. <laughs> I walked in midway through it and you were talking about taking down these scores and what the total gold value was and all this stuff. And I, I just assumed you're talking about payday. So you expand the game. Damn it. So is there a playbook where I can mess chef? <laughs> yes. Sarah, Wayne's wife, uh-huh. is playing this sort of crazy ass chemical alchemist thing. One of the powers she took was that she has ingested so many of her chemicals, she exudes 
the chemicals from her skin. So she's like Keith Richards. <laughs> yes. And just as well preserved. And so she picks what she exudes. Like she has some choices that she could do. She's exuding this LSD like drug, right? So she can like walk into a room and fart heroin. Well, I mean, it's not that easy, but she could come up to you and she could touch you. And then what she does, and I'm like reaching she, out to Brodor. But, uh, she weaves speed. <laughs> but she exudes, she has chosen that she exudes from, from her skin. Reasoning to crank box. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. She exudes uh, a hallucinogen okay. from her skin. Right. And she's been able to use it like, okay, there's a guard there, and she kind of uses on the guard, makes the guard trip balls and stuff. The characters, there's uptime and downtime. Uptime is like you're gathering information, and you're advancing the plot, and you're doing role-playing. Mm-hmm. And then uptime is also you're taking down scores, you're robbing somebody, you're doing something, whatever, you're taking over territory. And then there's downtime. And in downtime, you can do projects like it's a mechanical part of the game. You know how we in our games, we say, oh, well, okay, you're on a spaceship and you're flying from here to here. It's three weeks. So what are you guys doing? And most people are like, oh, well, I'll be in my bunk in this game. You actually define projects. One of the projects she is doing is she is trying to synthesize the hallucinogen that she's exuding from her body into a drug that is capturable and then marketable. And so she's trying to make money off of this drug that she's producing. So, uh, and then the, all the others have all kind of different kind of projects that they're doing. Hmm. So like uh, Beth's character is that she's being blackmailed. She has an entanglement. She's being blackmailed. So her project is that she's trying to find out information about her blackmailer to kind of turn the tables on her. Mechanically, you have your character sheet, right? Dawn is playing a cutter and a cutter is like a fighter it's just you know she's not sneaky she's not sneaking into buildings she's not doing this weird with chemicals coming out of her she's not good with guns but she hurts people she's really really good at punching the stuffing out of people so she has her character she her playbook character she has all of her stats and skills and all the stuff you roll in it but it also has the crew playbook so everybody is part of this crew the crew has its own character sheet where you have territory there's like a map on it that has okay. territory and then it has like your layer well when you just start out you just have a layer it's just hidden but as you advance you can advance the reputation of the crew you can advance their power you can advance how much money they have let me ask you a question here based on what i'm hearing mm-hmm. okay so you have these personal projects yeah. You have a legacy map, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm going to call it here, where you can start to expand your influence, expand right. your holdings. Do you think this will reach a point where effectively the game is done because the group has become, I guess it's kind of like if I was using mm-hmm. an analogy from D&D, you've hit level 20, level <laughs> 40. What really is it that threatens you anymore? Right. I mean, can you reach a point where you have so much influence control, so much territory? You're not a gang anymore. You're an empire. Yes and no. So, I mean, obviously, you you have a sheet, and the sheet for the gang is finite. Right. You you will get to a point to where, because you can, like I said, you have the layer, but you can also add a training room to the layer that enhances your skills. You sure. can add this and that and this and that, where you check off all the little ticky boxes. There's no more ticky boxes to check off. It takes a long time to get there, and you've t- conquered all the territory. Well, 
to me, that's just that area of the city, mm-hmm. and it's a really big city. And what I want to happen is I want to get the crew to have their gang get to a certain high level of power, and then I take the lens of the game and I move the lens back and I expand things. So right now, they were nobodies. Now they're a small gang. And now they're starting to get noticed by the other gangs. The path I'm trying to walk them down is to eventually, they become the number one gang. And they take over this whole area. And they're on top of their number one. At that point, I want to pull the game back more, pull the lens back and widen it. And now they're being manipulated by these foreign governments. These foreign governments are maybe trying to use them as a fifth column or trying to use their skills as contractors to steal secrets from the government or to do this, that, or help them with smuggling stuff in. And then I want them to start walking a path of where they start choosing their loyalties and they start choosing their destinies to where they're not being manipulated. They're the ones doing the manipulation. And then they go on to this sort of world stage. If the game even goes on that long. I mean, is this a game that you can play for 30 years? I guess, but I wouldn't want to. But no, this is a game that is not like three missions and done. This is a game that can go on. I have plans to take this game for a year to two years. Let me talk to you about that project clock. Yeah. Because I got a high level of it. I don't remember who it was from. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was directly from you. I think it was from either Wayne or Pat. Mm -hmm. But let me reiterate to you what I understood of it. And if it's correct, I want to compare it to a project system in another mm-hmm. game. And the reason this is near and dear to my heart is because in the games that I run, uh, particularly the games that I've homebrewed, yeah. I've always placed a lot of emphasis on what is it you're trying to accomplish over time that has yeah. nothing to do with the plot. I love projects. Yeah. I and, love them in all games. And, you know, that was something that's always been a huge part. And you know like, what? what has always bugged you about it? is the same thing that bugs me about it. Some people are super into it. And some people aren't. And some people aren't. And it's the same. There is a mechanical process in Blades in the Dark, and I still have players who are not into it. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about because there's another game I want to compare it to because in my games, Mm -hmm. I've never really codified it. Right. It's been more descriptive. But I think there may be value in codifying it Mm -hmm. because while you're never going to get 100% buy-in, I think the more structure you give to it, it might start to attract people. Yeah. Because someone who's into it for the pure development purposes, mm-hmm. when I was playing Gnarl and he was trying to build the White Mass Tribe, right. there didn't need to be a mechanic. I was doing right. that on my own. But you're going to get people who are more mechanically minded where they're not mm-hmm. going to do it until they see the buttons to push and the levers right. to pull. All right. So the way that I understood it is you have a circle or like yes. a clock and... As you do things to work along that clock, so mm-hmm. let's say my clock is, I realize this isn't Blades in the Dark, but I'll just use the one I just used, Narl building his White Mask sure. tribe, that I roll certain skills or do mm-hmm. certain things or seek out certain subplots, and based on that, we put a pie piece yeah. into that clock. Exactly. And, when, and that represents my progress, mm-hmm. and when the clock is full... Whatever ding, that goal cookies was, are done. Yes. Ding cookies are done. Okay, so is that a correct understanding yes. of how it works? Okay. There, what that reminded me of, though, I... No, although, it's not every session where it's like, okay, great game, guys. Now, everybody make your role for your projects, because otherwise, people will be popping projects out left and right. Yeah. There's a fiction aspect to it. Obviously, it has to be in character. You just can't, like, say, okay, I want a laser to fall out of the sky when the cookies are done, and 
There you go. The more complex the person makes it, the more slices there are in this pie. So let me first explain what a clock is in Blades in the Dark. It's a circle that's subdivided into an equal amount of lines, creating pie pieces. So a basic clock has four slices. It has a horizontal line, and it has a single vertical line that meets in the middle of the circle. That's a very, very easy clock. When you get successes, you color in the pie piece. Now, there's different kinds of clock, and you know you could go read the rules to see all those. There's ones that, that count up, that count down. There's ones that are tied together so that when you complete one clock, it puts in a pie slice on this other clock. There's link clocks. There's tug-of-war clock. Sure. Go read the rules for all right, those. Right, yeah. We're not going to go into all that here. So you come to me and you say, oh, Gnarl is now in Blades in the Dark. You right. are now in the pseudo-London city <laughs> in, in an apocalyptic world, and you want to make a brood of babies in a basement of a bar. Yes. And I, I would kind of be like, okay, well, well, what's your end goal with this? What, what are you trying to get at? And if you say, well, you know, I just want it for story purposes. I mean, technically, okay, on the side chat, they're just props. You know, it's not like I'm going to have a litter of attack dogs or anything like that, and I'm not going to make any my own. But it's going to be something interesting and, and that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. No real mechanical thing. We'll do four slices, whatever. And then so each time we do some role playing over one session and then we do some investigative stuff on the second session. And then that sets us up to do a score. And then the score, which is the heist, that's when we start doing all the weird clocks we were talking about. That's where we're talking about the, the, the linked clocks, the push pull clocks, the clocks that count up, the clocks that count down, the ones that do all this crazy stuff. You're trying to do a heist. So let's say you're. The crew is robbing a house, a rich person's house, and the rich person is still there, but they don't want to kill him because they need this person for something else that's in character for some reason. So they got to really sneak around, but the guy has a safe in his bedroom, but you don't know where he's at in the bedroom. And so that it's a heist and, dun, 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 and you're, you're sneaking through windows and, oh, there's a surprise bodyguard. And you got to fight him and all this sort of stuff. Well, that's all the clocks. You have a pool of stress. You spend the stress as a resource to enhance your die rolls or to help other people enhance their die rolls because you're assisting someone and stress is a resource. So you might do something that's easy, but it's like, it's like, okay, it's it's very anxious and it's very, Oh, we almost didn't make it. And it's really tearing my character up. It could also represent, I get into a fight and I just get crap kicked out of me. You take damage and, and whatnot. Damage is descriptive and that sort of thing. So because you're playing bad people doing bad things, more or less, although you could be the thief of the heart of gold. At the end of the score, at the end of the heist, which could go on for multiple sessions, or could go for one session, whatever, then you say, okay, now we're in downtime. What's everyone doing? Well, well, you have vice. Each character has has their own vice. Someone could be an alcoholic. Somebody could have a whole bunch of lovers, say they, they hit the brothel. Uh, somebody could be a drug addict. So there's all different kinds of ones. Pat, guess what Pat's is? Whoring. Mm, sex. Wow, how did you guess? <laughs> Pat's is sex. Dawn's is going to a theater, which may not seem like a big deal. But remember, she's from the gutter. It's above her station. Right. And she can't afford it. So to her, it's like a vice of opulence. It's under like luxury. It's like this opulent thing that she's doing. So the characters indulge their vice. And they make these rolls on it and it reduces their stress. They spent these stress points, right? To get these bonuses and stuff throughout uh-huh. the score. They indulge their vice 
to reduce the stress so they can have it next time. If they have so much stress that they're that you only get so many actions that you can't reduce enough stress, you can overindulge. So take say somebody's an alcoholic and they're drinking and they reduce the stress, but they they still have more they want to do. They say, Well, I'm going to overindulge my my vice. So they go beyond a Billy Joel song and into basketball diaries. Yes. <laughs> and then they start making rolls and then they could just destroy their vice. Like they mess it up. And so they hit every bar in their neighborhood and get kicked out and banned from every bar in their neighborhood. They no longer have access to that vice. Like Pat goes on a crazy bender and beats up some prostitutes and all the whores in the neighborhood cut him off. Now he has to find a different vice. Maybe that drives him to drinking. All right, let me, so, let me, so anyway, well, real quick. Okay. So anyway, part of those actions that you do yeah. to reduce your vice and then also your crew gets heat. So you like kill somebody, your heat goes up, you take a devil's bargain, which is you're in a desperate situation and you just need another die. And I'm like, well, I tell you what, I'll give you an extra die if you're willing to take this deal, which will make the heat go up or something like that. And then there's all kinds of entanglements with that. They can work to get the heat down. Well, you use these actions, so you only have so many actions. One of those actions or multiples of those actions can be used to roll on your projects. So you could do this takedown, this this score, right? But you put yourself out there. You push yourself so hard during the score. You have all this stress and all this heat on the crew, and everybody's got to work to reduce their stress and their heat. They might not have time for their vice, but... You can also earn coin. So we're robbing the old man, right? Well, that gets us money. And money is not represented in 358.5 gold pieces. It's coin. You have like this job. We just took down this old man. He had a whole bunch of stuff. That gains us three coin, quote unquote coin, which is just a generic amount of money that you have. The leader of the gang gets the money and then he pays his crew. So the gang has money and the individuals have money and the individuals can spin their coin to get extra actions during downtime, which they can spend on reducing stress, reducing okay. heat and working on their projects. So it sounds like it's a resource management system yes, about life between the adventures. Yes. About And there are two games in particular that what you're describing remind me of. It mm-hmm. sounds like Mr. Harper has done quite a good job yes of yes. of really putting this all together and coming up with a unified system for mm-hmm. and I, I hear a lot of ideas in here that i really like yeah. but the two things that immediately came to mind one is from a lord of the rings game that was released give or take about five years ago mm-hmm. i don't remember exactly when i remember i was at gen con it had just come out and is uh, that the one one ring I don't remember. It's a board game or a role-playing game? It's a role-playing game. Okay. And uh, Shane Ivey, actually from Arc Dream, he walked me over there to show it to me. And one of the things I thought was really cool about Mm -hmm. it, because it was a neat mechanic, but it also fit in really well with the themes, the feel that Tolkien put into the books, which is you had this constant resource of, it was something like hope. Yeah. And it was Mm -hmm. things like carrying the one ring or seeing terrible things or seeing the horrors of the world. It's like Sam and Frodo, as they go on their adventure, 
they just keep getting worn down and worn exactly. down. And, and there's darkness and darkness yeah. and darkness, or they see these terrible things, or they experience these terrible things, and it keeps wearing down their spirit. But then there are things you can do. For example, if you're around the campfire and somebody tells an ancient elven love story mm-hmm. or whatever, then you had a mechanic by which you could try and restore the spirit of people, you know, or you could have the Gandalf or some equivalent thereof say something wise or mm-hmm. whatever. But the point being that much like you have in Blades in the Dark, your vice, stress and yeah. vice, you this thing had, it was hope and, it, yeah, hope and despair yeah. or right. whatever. I That's don't pretty neat. Yeah, it was neat. The other thing it reminds me of, these clocks in particular, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I'm going to get the mechanic a little bit wrong, and God knows there is nothing people in our hobby love to do faster than <laughs> jump uh, getting D&D rules slightly wrong. But in D&D 3.x, there's a mechanic for crafting projects. Mm-hmm. And the way that it works is more or less something right. like this, that you say, okay, I have a skill in carpentry sure and i want to build a cottage mm-hmm. and the game master might say something like okay that's going to take a total of and i'm just making numbers mm-hmm. up here 40 points to do sure what happens is we say well that's a relatively straightforward task we're going to give that a dc of 10 or 15 or whatever and each time you go to roll your carpentry you know, we're going to say that maybe you can roll your carpentry once per full day. You can spend on this. Mm-hmm. And if you're, let's say, over by seven points, you made a success by seven. Then that 40 gets reduced yeah. by seven points to a 33. And you keep doing that until eventually it reaches zero. And then the cottage is complete. Yeah. You, you finished that cottage. And you have to do that based on the time that you spent on it. Now, what I'm hearing from Blades mm-hmm. in the Dark reminds me of these kinds of mechanics that exist in pieces in other games. But it sounds like that he's done a great job of trying to really unify Mm -hmm. the ups and downs of the human experience of the stress, the vices through which we vent stress, Mm -hmm. the money through which we get other people. I I deal with this in my real life. If I'm stressed out, I don't want to deal with something. I'm not going to hang out under the sink. I'm going to pay a plumber to do it. <laughs> yeah. But that depends on how much money I have. Yeah. Right. And so, and that's a project. Mm-hmm. If, if we need to rework the kitchen sink, that's a project that I can mm-hmm. spend a certain amount of time on, or as they call it within this thing, sweat equity. <laughs> yeah. Blades in the dark thing. It's a real world saying, you know, put some sweat equity into it versus hire a plumber to do it. Mm-hmm. And of course, working on that sink is going to agitate me. And so at some point I'm going to hit the bottle. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and if you hit the bottle too much, right. Carla's going to cut you off. And it, now you got to find a different vice. Precisely. And, or I'm just going to start drinking to the point that I don't care. <laughs> and then I'm going to be playing Witcher and nothing's getting yeah. fixed. And then there's your second vice yeah. video game. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, but the point is, it sounds like he, what yeah. he's done a really neat job doing. Because that's something that's always to me, felt lacking in role-playing mm-hmm. games, which is, you know... A, what do you do between the killing? Bingo! Yeah. You know, and for, even not just killing, you know what happens during the adventure, but it's presupposed there are these long gaps mm-hmm. of time between the adventures where you're traveling or resting or waiting on the next yeah. contract, and 
in the games that I have written and run, mm-hmm. I might ask at the descriptive level, what are you doing? And I have used things like what D&D yeah. did in 3X with the, you know, I'm going to give you a total and we're going to pull off that total or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like with this guy's own, once again, he's made a really neat yeah. way of unifying that to describe the human experience when you're not caught up in the the, right. the peaks yeah. of life. When people know? aren't shooting at you, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, what do you do yeah. in the vast plains between the mountains? <laughs> right. How much of what you do, though, with that, Chad, is is role-playing based? How much of that do you actually role-play out? And and what does that you know generally consist of? I mean, because I'm, I'm, I'm picking up the, the resource management that you're talking about, but how does that uh-huh. translate into the role-playing aspect of what you're doing? It truly depends on the, on the player. So let me give you a real-world example here. Dan and I were kind of joking, you know, one of the things we hate about projects is that you have players who do them and you have players who don't. So Pat is not into projects. God bless him. He's into every other aspect of the game, right? Projects just don't click with him because he doesn't really see the long-term aspect of it. The long-term planning is something that game masters do. The now and then a little bit into the future is what players do. I think that's how he kind of sees it. I could be wrong. So... We have a couple of projects for him that I really held his hand with and, and said, okay, let's do it so at least you have something so that in three or four weeks' time, when the when the cookies are done for other players, you're not feeling left out. At least you get something. And he's like, okay, because it's just, you, you're just rolling. It, you don't have to put blood into it right. necessarily. So, yeah, as far as like the role-playing aspect with Pat and projects, you know, there, there isn't any. I mean, like zero, less than zero, maybe. Sarah, on the other hand, who is trying to turn into frigging drug king woman of the fake London underworld. Uh, She's like turning into Pablo Wonka. Yes. (laughs) Here's the thing with her. (laughs) We're just thinking of Gene Wilder with that mustache. (laughs) She does not have one project. She has several projects projects going at the same time she doesn't have enough actions every downtime to work on all of this stuff that she's doing every single one she's doing has either come from her character's background and informs her role playing Uh or comes from role playing that she has done something in game and she has translated it into a project which will then turn around and inform her role playing. So she's she's like you, Dan. She's collecting hobbies. <laughs> she's got like a zillion of them. But yeah, so th- there is definite like role playing sort of stuff that comes from it. It's fantastic because mm-hmm. what a great example of what happens in the real world. Yeah. You have people who I go home at the end of the day, I make dinner, I have a few beers, I sit on the couch, I watch TV, and that's Mm -hmm. the extent of what I do. Mm -hmm. And then you have the other people, like you were suggesting with Dan, that collect hobbies. (laughs) Yes. I've got so much going on that I'm a sort of a jack of all trades and master of done, Mm -hmm. or master of none. Yeah. I'm not a master of done. (laughs) (laughs) None of this shit's going to get accomplished. I'm a master of improv. It's it's not going to get it's not going to get finished. But then the tremendous opportunities of what if Pat's character was a tinkerer, right? Right. What if he did clockwork stuff like Mm -hmm. they did in the in the the, you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hundreds, whatever, right? 
what if he built her like some sort of exercise equipment, like a <laughs> clockwork treadmill, so she can be sweating out these narcotics <laughs> that are then being vialed in bottles stop, that are, that are glass blown For by the somebody love else? Of God, do not give them ideas. <laughs> like I think that I think that would be that would be great. Oh right? God, I hope but she just doesn't the, listen to this the, episode. The idea, the idea of the synergy yeah. between projects, I think, is, is also brilliant because yeah. not not only do we have camaraderie on the level of Mm -hmm. that we have done heist together that we've survived combat together but now in our downtime we're hanging out i mean look at the look at the 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 four of us we all have our different things in our lives but we got together to collectively do this project Mm -hmm. right i i think that's really remarkable for what that game is doing Mm -hmm. and what it offers compared to the, you know, sort of plug and chug. We kick down the door, we kill the monster, we steal it, we gain a new Mm -hmm. level. Wayne and Sarah's character have co-projects that they are working on that benefit each other's characters. Dawn and Beth are being blackmailed by the same person for different stuff. And Beth is working on uncovering the blackmailer to benefit both of them. Pat is not really doing anything, and every time it comes to work on his project, he spins it at the whorehouse. He's just whoring. He's <laughs> just whoring, and you know what? Everybody's happy. Okay, so this next part I want to talk about, this is going to sound kind of circuitous. This is a little bit of a long story that gets to a point. The end point is I'm using a really interesting laptop monitor sound setup to run this game. It isn't just I'm, I have notes here, right? Can I hold you on that for one sure. sec? I, I want to note two things here. Quick, good on you. Mm. And then a quick question before we switch yeah. topics. The good on you, and I'm going to actually give people a bit of speaking advice here. <laughs> I've talked to a lot of people or mm-hmm. encountered a lot of people who feel they need public speaking courses, and usually they don't. It's my opinion that actually what people need more often than not is essay writing courses. (laughs) Because essay writing influences the way that we speak, because an essay begins with its conclusion, Mm. more or less, then builds its points, then reiterates the conclusion, because... Oftentimes, if you just lead through all the details yeah. and then hit the conclusion, we're going on this w- weird, windy people, path. Why are we e- even there? Exactly. They yeah. don't even know why they're following you. Yeah. But if you deliver that punchline up front, mm-hmm. then people now are with you for the journey. So good yeah. on you for saying, Thank you. by the way, here's the punchline now for the story. Mm-hmm. But before we switch yeah. to talking about your AV setup, there is something that I want to ask um, mm-hmm. that I gave my opinion on. But I'm curious what you have to say. What are the takeaways from this that you would apply to other games and other systems? I mean, mm. would it be you try to plug and play this pie piece thing? Yes. Or, or is it? Absolutely. Uh, the, the cool thing about like Dungeon World yeah. is that it's very hackable. Sure. Uh, there are a lot of iterations. There's Dungeon World. There's Apocalypse World. There's uh, Monster Hearts. Poison. There's so many out. Those are just the ones I know about. Right. Right. And so there are so many out there, hacks and one offs and stuff like that. In the Blades in the Dark Google Plus group, people are already hacking parts of this game to make it their own and do their own thing with this sort of project clock thing. I would totally take this out and move this. If there is another game where you are some sort of cohesive unit. Now, military would be the most obvious yeah, choice. Glenn Cook, Black Company stuff right. is, is precisely... But like murder hobos, I wouldn't so much do this. 
But if if you're playing a group of in a sci-fi game, totally opposite of what Blades in the Dark is, okay. and you are playing Space Rescue, you know, you're on a space station and you are the team that goes out and rescues uh, ships that are in distress and that sort of thing. So you're this sort of unit, not not necessarily military sci-fi, just to get away from that. I would pull out uplift the crew chart, you know, that has all this stuff about your crew, the map, its influence, that sort of thing. And I would hack it apart and make it apply to this team where the team could build equipment. They could build a roster. They could build all this sure. stuff. And the, instead yeah. of uh, the stress is the yeah. survivor's guilt from the yeah. people you watch die. Right. I've been told that the people within the military that have the highest amount of PTSD, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is true or not. This is just my understanding of it. Is medics yeah. because of the number of things sure. that they see and the number of, of things that they don't succeed at. And I don't right. want to get into this too much. But the point being yes. that there's your stress. Your vice mm-hmm. could be whatever. Your project yeah. could be something like I'm trying to rehabilitate a broken crew, down medical droid. The crew sheet, the shared one, could be the spaceship yeah. and enhancing it and changing it. And- yeah, you know, and it strikes me that if you wanted to start hacking across multiple things, you could probably hack some of these uh, group level objectives into mm-hmm. our group template yeah. and find some way to do that. Okay. So I don't want to linger on that too yeah. much. I was just curious to hear how someone who has no interest in blaze in the dark <laughs> might see this. Oh, there is so many components that you could totally uplift. Yeah. In the game. Just, just yeah. change the way the dice yeah. roll and what the objectives are. Yep. Yeah. Ju- just based on hearing you describe it mechanically in this mm-hmm. episode for me as a gamer, like that, particular genre doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily ring my bell however mechanically and sort of the narrative resource management we're managing our tangible resources we're managing our human resources Mm -hmm. that to me that's got tremendous potential i think so and i have to give props to my to my gaming group too this whole thing is outside their wheelhouse it is totally outside their comfort zone i pitch the whole thing to them and they are giving me a shot with it and they are really taking to it. And I very much appreciate it. They are playing bad guys. These people don't play bad guys. They are playing a bunch of thieves. They are playing a totally new different system with these clocks and stuff. We really haven't done that before. We played uh, Monster Hearts, but it was different. Uh, Doing this whole crew thing, doing this setting that's sort of like this 1800s sort of clockwork Cthulhu punk post-apocalyptic but it's not because everybody survived weirdness a game that's completely half written because we are going through the rules like okay well let's try this well what do we have to do and we flip to the page because i printed it out yeah (laughs) there's literally a heading and a line that says will be added later dot 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 uh you know so this is like a regular chad game is what you're saying (laughs) yeah and we have to make it up well I, i do let me ask you a question on that because if he's regularly updating this game, yeah, how is it impacting the game if the rules change on a weekly basis? Well, or maybe not weekly. It's not you, weekly. It's you, about monthly okay, once every two you months. You get my point, yeah. though. So we've had that. We've had a major rule shift. Yeah. And we took them and incorporated them, and, and it worked fine, and we were able to do it. He did another iteration of the rules that really changed how downtime works and, and character advancement worked, and we didn't quite understand what harper was getting at with them and it was very different than what we're used to so we didn't use them and 
because it's the hall. Really, what I wanted to do was I wanted to really read them and understand them. And I wanted Wayne to really read them and understand them because he and I are kind of helping each other with the rules. I wanted us both to read them and understand them and then maybe incorporate them in slowly. But then the holidays hit. and We just haven't had time. And Wayne's getting a new job and it's all this stuff. And I'm super busy at work. So right now we're just floating with the current version of the rules that we were using. And uh, when we get into like a more complete version, like say he finishes it, yeah, we are going to convert over to those rules. And I've told everybody, if there are drastic changes to your character or like your character class is eliminated or whatever, we will roll with it. You know, I'm not going to screw you and say, okay, well, now you're just really ineffective. So screw you, buddy. You, no, it's we will make. Blizzard just dropped a patch. Now you're <laughs> yeah. nerfed into uselessness. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to make it. We are going to do what needs to be done for you to be happy. Right. And for everybody to be happy and having fun. That's the important thing. I think what we're going to do is because I'm looking at where we're at with recording and Chad has indicated to me that he's got a lot to say on the audio-visual portion yes. of this game and what he's doing in terms of his computer setup. So I think what we're going to do is leave this one here, give you guys a chance to, if you want to, go out and look up this mm-hmm. stuff on Blades in the Dark, see what you like or dislike about the game, give us your feedback, which we won't see because we're recording the episodes <laughs> back-to-back, but give us your feedback yeah. and ideas for your fellow booters on how you handle projects and stress and vice and things like that, the ebb and flow of human life well, that exists in the You know, planes. this might actually turn into a third episode in the future. Wayne and Pat have indicated that they want to talk about this. They want to talk about the game, how I'm running it, the uh-huh. things that are working, the things that aren't working. And so I think that if we get the booters looking at the game and then giving us feedback of what they think, we could address some of their thoughts along with Pat and Wayne, and we get them behind the mic. Okay, well, we'll, we'll figure this out then. But one we're not, you know. Yeah, there will at least be a second part. <laughs> Whatever. There will at least be a second part to this, if not a third. Yeah. Uh, once again, check the show notes for links to stuff on Blaze in the Dark. Check the show notes for a link. This is your last week to get stuff in for the BattleTech Dice contest. Mm-hmm. So be sure to get that out there. Get your entry in. And beyond that, have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. See you in two minutes. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2015. Listeners are free to use this show in any non-commercial endeavor, as long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the Pulp Gamer Media Network of Shows. You can find other great shows in this network at pulpgamer.com.